Um, I love that. I think the hardest thing is not feeling included, not feeling like I belonged in the room. I think there's been so many times where I'm the only Latina in a conference room, you know, um, even on my floor, sometimes maybe there's one or two and the other one is like an admin, you know? Um, yeah, I will say that it's, there's not so many of us out there, especially growing up. I didn't have, um, you know, I could probably count with one hand, the female Latina women of color leaders that I admired and it's unfortunate and, and hence why, you know, I'm really here trying to carry the torch. Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world. But since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 180 to go. So, if you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all ears. You can reach me on Instagram at Malani Sarma, on my website, malanisarma.com, or on Facebook at Malani Sarma, M-A-L-I-N-I-S-A-R-M-A. In today's episode, we're speaking with Carolina Flores. Carolina was born in El Salvador, but moved to the United States at the age of four. Watching her parents work multiple jobs inspired her to work hard as well. In this episode, she talks about learning marketing at the age of 14, using real estate to build generational wealth, and why she needs to carry the torch. And this is her story. Hey, Carolina, thank you so much for joining my program. I'm so excited to hear your story. Hi, Melanie. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. So let's jump right in. You were born in El Salvador, and then you moved to the U.S. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about your experience growing up. What was it like? So, yeah, I I was born in El Salvador in the middle of a civil war. Um, My family and I immigrated here right almost at the tail end of the civil war. So I was about four years old. Um, and I think my experience here was really shaped and, and rooted in, in third world roots in a first world country. Um, a lot of my experiences, I guess some of, some of my um, most early experiences are we're basically just trying to adapt. I remember trying to learn English, assimilating to the culture. Um, I can actually remember in kindergarten when I remember specifically that I had asked my mother to make me plantains, fried plantains for lunch. That was my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I just remember 
opening up my lunchbox and then seeing all the other kids with like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which at the time, um, you know, I didn't know what they were. And I came home and I was like, mom, I need a brown paper bag and I need the sandwiches. <laughs> so, so I think, um, you know, that's just a, a silly or a cute memory, but I think, um, Growing up, like I said, it was, you know, those, the third world roots. My parents were super hardworking. I remember them having multiple jobs, um, leaning in on our church community and leaning in on my, my older sister, even just to, um, you know, um, just, just that support, you know, we had like a, a really strong family support growing up. All right. So you were talking about your parent, your sister, your older sister, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. How many years older is she? So she's like my second mother, actually, even though she's only uh, five and a half years older than me, I think, you know, that's something important to call out that I actually didn't even think about before in terms of just how we were instilled to be nurturers and caregivers, even for our own siblings, like we had familial responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember in high school, like I had to come home after school. I couldn't do sports because I had to contribute and partner with the household. So for instance, my job was like to clean the dishes, make the rice and make sure I had a, a fresh pot of coffee for my father. You know, my sister would help. My brother would help. And we were just like, a really great partnership thinking back, you know, I think we were just trying to, you know, keep our head above water. Like our parents had to work. Um, and we, we showed our appreciation and our contribution back to the household by, I guess, managing that household, right? Like the weekends were for grocery shopping, laundry, um, you know, I didn't have like the sports camp or the summer camps. It was very, um, I guess it was a very humble, 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 um, upbringing. Right. Um, but nonetheless, it definitely instilled a lot of hard work and, um, some of that partnership, um, I guess uh, things that always ground me and the things that even I do in my households or even in my professional or my academic life now, where I always feel like I have to contribute in some sort of meaningful way. Um, whether that's at work, family, or even, you know, not professionally, even my friendships. So um, just, just out of curiosity, um, you said that you had to speak in English. So did you learn English uh, in school? Yes. So you, you were pretty much a Spanish speaking household, right? So yes. did you have to help your parents like trans help your parents translate and stuff? Or were they also okay with English? Or did you have to do that? So no, uh, my parents did not speak English. So um, you know, they learned English over the years, but we were very much learning it and then teaching it back to them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I remember being like seven or eight years old and filling out my own high, like my own um, documents for registration. Right. <laughs> you know, like, mom, what's your name? Right, right, <laughs> you know, right. That kind of thing. I mean, um, 
But that was something that I think a lot of people in my community also did. And then my sister took on that role um, for the most part because she was older, um, but we did not know English coming into this country. Again, I wasn't even in preschool. You know, Uh, Mm -hmm. my brother was a baby. Uh, My sister did attend a Catholic school in El Salvador, um, a private school, but they, you know, they did not have an English um, medium. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have an English class or any elective of a sort. No. So, I mean, I remember going to McDonald's and thinking, okay, maybe if I add an O to everything, I don't know why I was five (laughs) years old or six (laughs) and my brother and I were in the backseat of like some giant, I don't even know, like a, a, my dad had like a, um, was it a station wagon and and just talking and bantering in the back like maybe if we add an o to everything english will be just like spanish (laughs) (laughs) and in hindsight you know i it, it was just so funny um but i just remember being like constantly curious super excited and you know i think my priority was just to try to learn as much as i could because I wanted to engage in this new world that I thought was so amazing. That's awesome. So today um, you're working, but you also have, you know, you're doing your own business to build generational wealth. But growing up, what did you dream about? What did you want to do? So that's a that's a tough question because um, I remember having an assignment like third, fourth grade or something like that. And I thought I wanted to be an astronaut because I think at the time we had just learned about the galaxy, but then I realized that I was afraid of heights. So (laughs) there was no way that that was going to happen, but you know, I I hate to say this and, but I'm just going to be real. And I didn't really dream. Hmm. I didn't, I think it was more so of like, I was enamored by things I was enamored by celebrities or maybe, you know, um, but I didn't really have that many role models growing up. You know, even when we were watching TV, it was like we would watch whatever my parents watch. And that was either the news, my dad's sports or some sort of soap opera, Mm -hmm. you know, so we rarely got, you know, screen time. um, What was the expectation? What was the expectation from your parents? Did did they have any? Because most immigrant parents would have like, oh, you have to make sure that, you know, you study hard, you study well, because you got to make sure that, you know, you get a good job. Was that kind of pressure there for you? So, so just to go back to that. So I think, you know, I, I don't, not that, so not that I didn't dream, I just didn't dream big. And I didn't think it was possible. Right. So I was just, stuck on the day to day, almost Mm -hmm. like living in the moment. And okay, this is the task at hand. Like, I didn't really think that far out. Right. So and 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 that's not the case anymore. Right. So now I'm thinking 1520 years ahead. Um, I think the reason why I'm trying to build generational wealth is because I really want people to understand at least my journey. And then maybe I can inspire someone else, you know, to see, you know, that kid that at 12 years old was making rice after school, not in academics, not getting those, you know, um, at 15, you know, extra college credits or enrichment programs. Like we were just on survival mode pretty Mm -hmm. much. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think my parents, for the most part, were exhausted. 
they tried their best. Mm-hmm. I am not someone who um, holds grudges or anything. Like as a parent now, we we don't come with, you know, kids don't come with an instruction manual. Mm-hmm. I think I'm grateful that my parents were putting just food on the table, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was, and keeping a roof over our head. And I think that was, enough. And that was something where we felt love and we felt like we, they cared. Um, but in terms of academics, um, they, they themselves, like my mom, my mother didn't go to college. Right. So she wanted more for us, but didn't know how to say, okay, SATs, you know, or I think she, you know, she might have had some accounting courses, um, in El Salvador, but then she had us fairly young. So she, she was, you know, she was, um, trying to do both. Um, but then we were basically ripped out of a country that, you know, she couldn't finish that. Um, but needless to say, she knew it was important. Didn't know how to navigate that. I remember I filled out all my college applications by myself. What's a personal statement. She probably can't tell you even now. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I think they did the best that they could. They knew it was important, but they didn't know how to um, prescribe or step by step how to get us there, you know, which which just makes it so much more important just to have that outreach for those kids that who are on the same boat. Right. And mm-hmm. whose parents don't have that those ingredients like, hey, you know, play mm-hmm. sports, right. be involved, give back. I think. um you know, and just driving awareness around this is so important. Yep. And I lived through that first, you know, firsthand. So I, I, I know I can see how driven you are, you know, going, looking, just looking at how you just, just see it in everything that you do, whether it's your work or your family, your kids, your school, home, you know, law school and everything. So thinking about all the things that you do, what is that one thing that drives you? And, and how does and how do other people react to that? What is your why of why you do the things the way you do? My thing is, is I feel like I have to carry the torch. I cannot afford to fail. You know, I know that we are only on this earth for a very uh, short amount of time. And I want to change the future of generations to come. And I think that is what wakes me up every day. I think that is what makes me so grateful for everything that I do have, the opportunities I have, because at the end of the day, to me, answering an email or, you know, um, getting on a conference call, you know, that is not, you know, mining a farm or cleaning, scrubbing toilets for a living and being, you know, that hard work that I know that many generations Um, and people today have to do just to get by, you know, Mm -hmm. and I never take that for granted. And, you know, I think I want to lead by example. So my daughter see me, I mean, my six-year-old is saying, mom, I want to be a realtor and mom, you know, um, I don't want to be just one thing. Like she's, she's starting to, it's giving me satisfaction because she's starting to see a world that she can do anything. And if I would have had that growing up, forget it. I I don't even know. I I probably would be 10 steps ahead of where I'm at now. So awesome. No, that is so, 
that is so awesome that you know that you, and you're being a role model for your children so they mm -hmm. see that too right so mm -hmm. you like you mentioned you're a realtor Thank but you, you also do other things you are doing yeah. many things you yes. have lots of businesses going so how did that yes. how did tell me tell me more how did you get into all of that so i think okay so if you want the whole story <laughs> so um i think with with me so remember i told you my parents worked multiple jobs uh, maybe that that has something to do with it there but um i remember my mother she was working in a window factory and then um she started selling avon then she tried Mary Kay. And of course, you know, she didn't have babysitting all the time. So I would tag along and I liked to tag along. So I learned a lot just by watching her and just seeing how social some of these things could be. Um, when I was about 14 years old, um, this is how I got into real estate um, that, you know, her English wasn't as strong. She was studying. Uh, so my sister and myself would help my mother study the real estate book. We would translate, we would read, we would help her study. She passed the exam and we were all so excited. And I think that was a turning point in my family's life, right? My mother now had a white collar job and we all supported her. I would do open houses with her. I would knock on doors with her. I think my summer when I was 15, 16, 17, I answered phones for her. I, you know, she ended up even opening her own brokerage awesome. where by the time I was 18, I just basically walked in and got my license because I was basically her apprentice for three and a half, four years at that point. Mm -hmm. um, by 22, I was training agents agents wow. that were three times, two times older than me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just, you know, I'm a big believer in the more you expose people to things. Mm -hmm. And even like when I'm mentoring some people, I'm just like, look, regardless, you're going to have to learn their way anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you're changing jobs. So just just pick it up. Just mm -hmm. learn it. You're going to learn as you go. You just have to believe in people. Yes. So if a 14 year old can knock on doors with her mom and then help her study and then sell my first home, I sold at 18. Wow. So, so I don't like in hindsight, how the heck did somebody trust me then? <laughs> but, but, you know, I brought a meeting of the minds together. I'll never forget. It was a home in Patchogue. It was like almost half a million dollar home. And with that check, I, I paid school, you know, awesome. like I paid my semester. So that's how I got into real estate. Um, and then I kind of always did that on the side because my mother had two offices, you know, we built it from the ground up. And then when the market crashed, um, you know, she took a step back. She lost a lot of different investments, but thankfully I had my bachelor's by then. Mm -hmm. And I was able to combine my sales and marketing experience from real estate with now a bachelor. And the one thing I did on my resume was take away my graduation year. Oh, okay. Because when I was, I remember I went to Baruch undergrad and I remember after every class I was applying to a job, like literally the semester before I graduated, I was like, okay. I need this, I need this certificate, this paper, so I can get a job. That mm -hmm. was like my biggest thing. I need a job. I need to make a salary. Like I could not wait. I would commute two days a week, go to school from nine in the morning to 10 PM mm -hmm. for two days a week, just so I could work full-time the other days. Oh my God. Just so 
I could afford the train ticket. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, and like, I had a budget, I remember, and I was just like, I was a student and I was just so excited to just, I think Baruch instilled in me, like just some com- competition that I just competitive nature that I was not used to coming from Long Island, being in the city, seeing so many different cultures. It was, it's one of the most diverse schools in the world. And I've really, I went there for that reason. Um, and I just remember I was just apply. I must've applied to 300 jobs. Like I'm not even exaggerating. Wow. And then I'm not like, it was like, I was so excited. I would have taken anything, but then I realized I'm like, nobody's calling me. Like what, what is going on? Oh, maybe they think I have no experience. Okay. I took out my graduation year and that's all that needed to happen. I started getting calls. Wow. Yep. That's a good thing to know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's horrible, but I was like, maybe let's just try it. And then, um, that's how I got into a position at time Warner where it was like marketing and it combined marketing with real estate. So it was just a, also a natural fit. Um, I don't know if that if that's what caused. Maybe it was just time, but I think I definitely felt more buzz. So I I was 22 when I got my first job in corporate. So um, real estate was just something that I think um, I've done since I was younger. And then I just spent the rest of I guess the next decade um, going from different marketing roles. Um, you know, also different reorgs. I had to wear many hats, many, many different years that we were just reacting to the environment, um, and adapting like a time Warner, it was Verizon, a new competitor. Um, and then technology changed. And then I had this, this, I, I was kind of following trends. I'm like, okay, cord cutting Verizon, you know, there's so much internet, Netflix, I need to do something else. I need stability. Like I can't not have a job. So I then made the transition into financial services um, where I I took a role uh, with email development. And it was something very different because in the past I had deployed email campaigns. And I think that's what got me the job essentially. Mm -hmm. But now I was looking at email from an operations lens. So all of these things, um, I think, just being able to wear many hats and reorgs, always saying yes, um, always learning from others, being humble, uh, I think allowed me to kind of get a lot of different experience from different aspects of an organization. For example, even at Time Warner, I would go to the call centers. Mm-hmm. I would talk to technicians mm-hmm. like nothing was beneath me, mm-hmm. you know, and then enough, you know, and then uh, once I transitioned into financial services, I had that same attitude, like always volunteering side of the desk jobs, meaning I I would see opportunities. And I think that's the grit and the immigrant in me, Mm -hmm. because I was actually able, um, after being at city for a year and a half, I was able to develop best practices, standards, innovation for an email channel, And then I was able to scale some of those things globally. Wow. So I think it's just when you're presented with an opportunity or if you see something, you know, you just have to try to unpack assumptions Mm -hmm. and really understand things bottoms up and be humble, ask questions, ask the right person, the right questions at the right time. Don't be rude in a meeting, Mm -hmm. you know, but just, just basically 
be a forever learner, right? So I think that's some of the reasons why I was able to navigate all of this. Um, and then I think I started um, once the pandemic hit, um, I was home and I'm not a person that likes to waste time. I think time is our most precious resource. Mm-hmm. So I started doing things like study for my LSATs, um, take my broker's license. I just started thinking to myself, when am I going to get this time back? Mm-hmm. When am I not going to have to commute for four hours a day? Um, you know, three days a week is what I usually go, um, what I usually did before the pandemic. I would go into the city three days just because my commute was so long. But, you know, I know I'm never going to get this time back. What else can I do? What mm-hmm. else can I accomplish? And also, I started realizing that you know, I, I was coming across different people through my role in global marketing. And I remember Al Roker, which we had him come in. Now, mind you, my role now is pretty high level, like, you know, um, definitely not the 22 year old girl or right. the 14 year old. So um, we had Al Roker come in and, and he said something that really struck me. He said, one job is for lazy bones. Now, at this point, I was already an adjunct professor and I was doing uh, a vice president advertising at at City. But I was like, wow, what else can I do? This guy has a production company, a cartoon company. He has like so many things. Mm -hmm. And then I'm looking at all of these other celebrities and people who build brands. Barbara Corcoran is somebody like Mm -hmm. I admire so much. And I that Shark Tank show is always so inspirational. I'm like, what else can I do? Um, I was exploring so many different things. I had so much time to think. And then I said, you know what, why don't I, you know, I've, the only way that I've been able to generate additional sources of income has been real estate. Mm -hmm. Like I, I bought my first investment property during the pandemic. I have, I think I've seen other people do things like that. Um, and I was just always, I always admired that they had this, stability of like, wow, maybe they didn't have to work. Like, so if I had three or four properties, I could make X amount and then have all of this freedom Mm -hmm. to do whatever I want when I want. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, I think one of the reasons that I am where I am is because of my experience, me putting myself out there, but then always wanting more, always Mm -hmm. trying to push that envelope and seeing, um, how I can, I guess, be more, um, just not wasteful with my time because I feel like I have to hurry up. My kids are going to go to college. Like, what am I going to do? Like this, this paycheck is not going to cut it. Like, how Mm -hmm. am I ever going to have a vacation home? How am I ever going to retire? Because I didn't walk to this country to retire on a social security income. Right. Yes. So I think, you know, I'll, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> so in all these things, cause you've done so many and you've, you know, you've gone from being that 22 year old or even before that 16 year old selling real estate to now, you know, being in the city and uh, doing so many things in all those experiences, what was the easiest thing for you and what was the hardest? I think the easiest thing for me was observing other people, uh, being inspired by other people. 
um, wanting more, um, being able to ideate, seek opportunities, create opportunities. I think creating opportunities is something that I'm, you know, I think is one of my superpowers. So um, I love that. I think the hardest thing is not feeling included, not feeling like I belonged in the room. I think there's been so many times where I'm the only Latina in a conference room, you know, um, even on my floor, sometimes maybe there's one or two and the other one is like an admin, you know? Um, yeah, I will say that it's, there's not so many of us out there, especially growing up. I didn't have, um, you know, I could probably count with one hand, the female Latina women of color leaders that I admired and it's unfortunate and, and hence why, you know, I'm really here trying to carry the torch. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate. See, you should be. Carolina, you should be so proud of all the things that you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. So what would you want to tell others, especially those who are marginalized and who want to follow their dreams? What what advice would you want to give them? I would tell them that things take time. I would tell them that you don't know where certain experiences will lead you, Right. Who would have thought that me helping my mom study for real estate was going to end up being uh, relevant to the the program I created at Time Warner at the age of 22? No one. You know, I think you have to be optimistic. Sometimes it's really hard when younger Carolina, you know, was just worried about the weekend and what we had to do. And, you know, um, but I think you know, all of the experiences that you are living through, believe it or not, will help you whether, you know, it's just being a partnership, like, look, me having to go home and make rice. And now that's why nothing is beneath me now at work. And that's why I put my name in hats for opportunities. So don't take whatever you are experiencing, whether it's a terrible boss, or maybe you can't get that job. You know, I think things really do truly happen for a reason. And I think that you have to just be aware and um, seek opportunities, but always, always, always remember that there's a reason why you are there, even if it may not feel like, you know, it's fair, or it's the right thing. And maybe you do need more, but maybe this period of struggle, or, you know, it's just, getting you stronger or making you stronger, um, getting you ready for your next, um, your next challenge. I I see everything like, you know, like a game of life, right? You know, if I didn't have this and I wouldn't have gotten that. And I think one thing that age does is it gives you perspective, right? So, um, I certainly think, yeah, when I think of things in hindsight, I'm like, oh, okay, now I know why. But, you know, in the moment, it's definitely difficult. So I would just say, stay strong, stay positive, you know, count your blessings, because we're just all I'm just grateful to be alive at the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah. So looking back, knowing what you know, now, what are some of the key financial lessons you learned or wish you had learned when you started your business? Well, I recently started my business, but I think what I would have done sooner is I would have bought more real estate. <laughs> I I would have, 
I would have good tip. Good tip. Oh my goodness. I think, I think there are so many ways to buy real estate, especially now with like for a first time home buyer, I should have bought my first house at 20. Like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. And I think like now, if you think about it, I'm selling a home now and the amount of equity that it's built in only five years like I actually have a chance to do something with that. You know, mm -hmm. if I would have worked 10 years in corporate, I don't think I would have been able to save that much. So mm -hmm. I think invest, yes. <laughs> invest, invest, invest more, um, figure out, you know, learn, obviously learn the trade. Don't just go investing without, you mm -hmm. know, um, having professional guidance of a sort. But I think I would have invested sooner. And then also I think I would have, um, negotiated higher salaries a little bit more. Mm. I don't think I pushed the envelope as much as I should have, because I think once you're in a position, it's hard to grow from oh. that bait. Like once right. you start. Yeah. So yes, for sure. Those There's are the a lot. Of, oh yes. I could so relate that big mistake. Mm. So one last question, okay. do you have a saying or a mantra that you hang on to when things don't go your way? What do you tell yourself? So for me, I think if something wasn't meant to be, I truly believe that, you know, if the timing's not right, you know, I think the universe does put things in your way. Um, you have to manifest that energy, obviously, but then you get to choose. But if you gave something your all, you put your best foot forward, you have to be truly honest with yourself. Like, did I actually give it my all? Did I, did I self-sabotage in some sort of way? Um, but I think timing is everything. And I've definitely been heartbroken before. And I, in terms of like not getting a job that I really liked, and I always try to tell myself it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't the right opportunity. There's something better, something better. I need to learn more. Maybe I wasn't ready, you know, or maybe um, it wasn't going to, it was going to be a toxic environment. Maybe I was just not going to be happy there. So um and, and, and sure enough, I think a lot of times where things haven't worked out, um, maybe not immediately, you know, um, it was either I acquired more skills, um, it gave me more time to think. I think right before I opened my business, I, I didn't get this job I really wanted. And then I wanted to take control. So that is like the butterfly effect, right? So that it just invoked more of like this. I don't even know what, I don't even know what to call it, but I just, I just felt like I had to take more control. Mm -hmm. So even when things don't go wrong, maybe that's going to cause a reaction in you to change, to do something, to open a business to who knows. So just, um, so if something is not happening, maybe just the timing's not right. And I always believe it was meant to be, it will be. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for being on my show. I loved hearing everything that you were, that you're doing. And I'm in, in, and I'm just so amazed that you have the energy to do all these things along with raising your family and running around and doing stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> thank you. No, you know what, or people that say that, you just have to listen to your body. You can't do everything in a day. Right. Right. So just, just pace yourself. 
Yeah. But, but, but thank you. I, I really appreciate that feedback and I really appreciate you wanting to get to know me better. And, um, you know, hopefully this will inspire someone or, um, you know, I know there's a little girl out there or a young woman out there or a young man out there that might listen to this and that alone, um, it gets me so excited just to, just to kind of pay it forward. Yes. And that, that so is the whole, in, you know, but that, thank you. That's the whole intention of the show is if, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that there's somebody who's listening out there that can be inspired by your story. And they're saying that, you know, if Catalina can do this after, you know, being raised the way she was and what, whatever her environment was and look where she is today and how she's making a difference, I can do that too. And if that, if it can change one person or influence one, at least one person anywhere in the world, I think I, I I'm just thrilled. So thank you yeah, so much yeah. for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.